Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and here we are continuing our Come Follow Me study for this week. Uh, we are in May the 18th to May the 24th covering Mosiah chapters 25 to 28. They were called the people of God. Uh, and we're continuing the section which covers Mosiah 27 verses 8 to 37. All men and women must, women must be born again. So if you remember yesterday, we looked at the uh, physical um, events that surrounded the redemption and the salvation, or well, the repentance really, of Alma and the sons of Mosiah. And we're now going to move into the spiritual struggle that happens uh, within Alma and presumably the sons of Mosiah. However, they were obviously not um, unconscious for two days and two nights. And before we do, uh, I want to um, just ask this question. When did repentance take effect in the heart of um, Alma, the younger? Um, because actually, I think that when we study this uh, experience of Alma the Younger today, we're going to learn something which, to be honest, I didn't really appreciate until fairly recently about repentance and about when does repentance actually happen. Um, so let's go into Mosiah chapter 27, verse 19. So um, <clears throat> we read, And now the astonishment of Alma was so great that he became dumb, that he could not open his mouth, yea, and he became weak, even that even that he could not move his hands. Therefore he was taken by those that were with him, and carried helpless, even until he was laid before his father. Um, so we know he's completely wiped out, and um, this, t this happens for a couple of days. Uh, Brant Gardner explains, quote, Alma's similarity to, to Saul <coughs> is clear in the physical incapacity that resulted from the visitation. Contrary to Saul, however, Alma is completely debilitated. His companions are functional, able to carry him to assistance. Saul was only blind, but Alma was dumb and so weak that he was carried helpless that he that he was laid before his father indicates that he was too weak even to sit. This physical weakness apparently resulted from a spiritual struggle, which he recounts later. Perhaps he was so preoccupied with the internal that his body was unable to cope with the external. Whatever the cause, his condition clearly stemmed from his experience with the angel. Close quote. So it's clear that um, our spiritual struggles uh, of, of such magnitude leave us quite physically in incapacitated. And I don't know if you've ever had experiences where you've had a great spiritual witness or you've, you know, had uh, a, a, an experience where, you know, something very spiritual has happened. But it does it does leave you physically weak, not to the point that you're not able to move, but, you know, it does take it out of you. Uh, considering you don't really move much uh, in, in uh, you know, spiritual struggles, um, it is a surprise but actually when you look at the experiences of Alma and of Saul and of other prophets that have you know witnessed the Lord and are physically weak afterwards such as Joseph Smith um you know this does seem to be a a uh, a concurrent uh, event that, that that there is spiritual you know physical spiritual experiences leave you physically needing um so we go on and in verse 23, it says, And it came to pass after they had fasted and prayed for the space of two days and two nights, the limbs of Alma received their strength and he stood up. Now, uh, we know that uh, Alma the elder is is pleased that um, his son has been able to have an intervention uh, and that the people then meet together and, and they fast and pray for two days and two nights. One thing I like is the spiritual and metaphorical significance of this. Uh, obviously, we're looking at Alma having a a new birth um spiritually 
And of course, we know that the Savior was was uh, in the tomb for two days and two nights. And on the third day, he rose again physically. Uh, so I, I, I quite like that symbolism there. Um, but uh, I was wondering, you know, did it make a difference? The prayers and the fasting would have would Alma have been in two, in, incapacitated for two days and two nights had they not prayed and fasted? Potentially so. So what 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 was this prayer and fasting? You know what what was the significance of it? Did it change the outcome or did it do something else? And I wonder if that prayer and fasting for two days and two nights helped the people who experienced this also have changes changes of heart. Were the sons of Mosiah unlikely to have that same level of change if they didn't fast and pray for two nights for their friend and then see him, you know, revived and and redeemed from from the gall of bitterness? I don't know. And, and to be honest, you know, it, it may well be that the that the prayer and fasting did have an effect on how long it took or the outcome from what happened to Alma. But it's interesting to consider, you know, the role that fasting and prayer takes and the unity that it brings people when they take part in it together. Of course, I relate this to um, the COVID-19 fasting days that we've had. We've had two so far, uh, one for the fast Sunday in March and one on Good Friday uh, as, a, as a global church. I mean, has it taken the, I was going to say the curse, <laughs> was it going to take, has it taken the virus away? No. Uh, as of today, actually, the news reports that say that there's, the global cases have has reached just over 5 million now. Um, in the UK, there is certainly a regression now. Uh, there's certainly a, a, a clear drop in deaths. Um, but, you know, it's it's certainly not taken it away. So what has it done? Well, I suppose we can't really ever measure that, you know, in the lives of the individuals and the um, you know, obviously, we don't know if there's been deaths that have been averted because of the fasting and prayer. We don't know if there's been cases that have been averted. We don't know even if it's just simply the spiritual strength and support that's being given to saints and, and others, uh, you know, every day. So, you know, I just think it's important that we remember that fasting and prayer doesn't necessarily necessarily mean we're going to get our way. It just means that we're going to be given, as the the people of Amelie, Amelie Elder were, strength and sustenance through this time. Um, six minutes, 22 already. Right, let's get a move on. Verses 24 to 25. So we, we don't really get a, an account of what happens internally with Alma. We get that later in Alma 36. So we'll review that later. But I want to look at the out, outcome. He says for in verses 24 and 25, For said he, I have repented of my sins and I have been redeemed for been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again. Yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie says this, quote, The spiritual birth comes after natural birth. It is to die as pertaining to worldliness and carnality and to become a new creature by the power of the Spirit. It is to begin a new life, a life in which we bridle our passions and control our appetites, a life of righteousness, a spiritual life. Whereas we were in, the, in a deep abyss of darkness, we are now alive in Christ and bask in the shining rays of his everlasting light, such as the new birth, the second birth, the birth into the household of Christ, close quote. So, um, you know, this, this spiritual birth must come to all, particularly those that want to come closer to their saviour and those that wish to receive a salvation for the life to come. Um, you know, th there's no doubt in Alma's mind who has saved him. Uh, in verse 28, uh, he says, Nevertheless, after wading through much tribulation, repenting nigh unto death, the Lord in mercy has seen fit to snatch me out of an everlasting burning, and I am born of God. 
And this obviously brings to mind that the scriptures within the Book of Mormon itself that says we need to work out our own salvation and the kind of, um, you know, connotations that are brought into that by others outside the church and other and people in the church as well. You know, that for some that for some reason, we seem to think that we are responsible for our own salvation. And whilst, you know, there is the fact that we need to be reconciled to Christ beyond that, there's nothing else we can do. It is Christ that saves us. Marcus B. Nash that said this, quote, There is much that is evil and unclean in music, the internet, movies, mag magazines, and in alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. As to any un evil and unclean thing, my young friends, do not even touch it. Disguised in such things is a hook that sets subtly, and much more subtly than you dare think. And it can be an excruciatingly, excruciatingly painful process to extract the hook. Alma described that for him the process of repentance was nigh unto death. Indeed, he stated that nothing could be so exquisite as, and so bitter as were my pains. There may be some of you who have been involved with that, that which is evil or un unclean. Take hope in the doctrinal and historical fact that Alma's faith in the Lord helped him repent. And as a direct result of his repentance, he experienced such happiness through the power of the atonement of Christ, that in his words, there could be nothing as exquisite and as sweet as was my joy. Such will be your experience as you seek the Lord through repentance. Close quote. And I do want to end on this question that I began with at the beginning. When did the repentance or did, when did the effect of repentance take effect on Alma? Um, I think that sometimes, and I'm actually in the middle of writing about this uh, in my book, with my book, uh, in a chapter which I explore the the blessings of repentance and the the joy of the gospel, um, and just how much I want my children to understand this, because for many years um, I kind of believed that the joy of repentance that Alma is, is describing, Kate, would comes to me or comes to others after we have done all the steps of repentance that we know about. There is the recognizing the sin, the feeling remorse for the sin, the confessing of the sin, the giving retribution for the sin and, and not ever doing it again. I always, in my mind, you know, imagined that repentance only came after I'd done all those five steps. Now, when you consider that the fifth step is to not ever do it again, <laughs> when does that ever come? You know, does that joy come after I die and I haven't done that sin again? Um, you know, it was honestly a, a, a something which I honestly thought. Um, but when you look at the experience of Alma, actually, it's not true. When did Alma experience this mighty change and this joy? Had he paid retribution yet for the things he'd done wrong? Well, yes, he, I suppose he had, he had felt pains for two days and two nights. But had he given full retribution? Well, no, we know that he hadn't. In fact, tomorrow we'll, we'll study the, the retribution he did pay to those that he had wronged. Uh, we'll see how he, how he goes about and preaches against the things he had done. So he hadn't paid a retribution yet. Had he recognized the sin? Yes, of course. Had he felt remorse for the sin? Actually, I think that is what we, are, we see him experiencing in, our, in Mosiah 27 and Alma 36. Uh, had he confessed his sins? Well, before God? Yes, absolutely. And all of us should do that if we seek to receive repentance. But it was then that he received that joy. He hadn't paid a full retribution yet, although him paying the retribution was the fruits of his repentance. He only did that because he had truly repented and changed his heart and come to the Savior. And so what I take from this is that repentance is the steps of repentance, whilst they are very, you know, very basic and very crude, and are very important, repentance just simply requires a change, a commitment to change. 
and a, and a, and an and an intent to carry that change out and then we can start to receive that joy of repentance already from that point we do not need to go to the nth degree to pay that retribution and then not ever do it again in our lives to ever feel that that joy of repentance that joy is available once we make that commitment and and have that, have that desire to change of course we then see if we truly have repented if we then go forth pay that retribution and and do not turn to that sin again but i just you know it's it's a great joy and a great um hope for me that repentance is available to all of us and it isn't that difficult to reach out for but it does require effort uh, and i think that that is something we need to remember anyway well over the time there thank you for joining us today hope you've enjoyed this if there's anything you've been studying please share it at mattlessroberts90 on twitter you can email session at gmail.com and there's of course the facebook group church of jesus christ study session with come follow me thank you for listening and until we meet again